Hey friends, just so you know, we enjoy the swear word and we rely on good old fashioned humor to get through some seriously dark subject matter. At no time do we intend any disrespect toward the victims or families of the victims in the cases we cover. Also, be sure to listen to the end for a few palate cleansing bloopers to reset your mindset. And with that, we thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy. Crime Will Tellers. Welcome to Crime Will Tell. I'm Carrie. And I'm Jamie. Before we dive into our story hour, I need to introduce Carrie's Correction Corner. Uh Uh-oh. What did you you do? What happened? I need to make a correction. So during the intro of, of episode five, Roosevelt Hotel Murder, I made the comment that, quote, Wheat fields are a plenty in Iowa. Nope. I guess uh-uh. not. Okay. No. I made my brother cringe and he immediately angrily texted me. He was also born in Iowa. Apparently, there are very few wheat fields in Iowa <laughs> because it's all corn and soybean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which is what I which is what I said. Uh, but wheat fields are indeed not a plenty. Okay. So to all my fellow Iowans. I am so sorry for my offensive error. Yeah, you dumb son of a bitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I, I did not correct you Mm-mm. as a fellow Iowan. You did not. Um, so thank you for letting it go. My brother, however, did not. Well, I it was cringeworthy. Know. And so I have, to, I have to go into the correction corner and fix that. Also, so, my, bro- my brother... He believes he knows the true meaning behind the framed chicken bones that Byron Hatman had gotten from (laughs) that date. He said, and I quote, maybe it wasn't to remember her fried chicken. Maybe it was to remind him they boned. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I mean, the gift with the double meaning, right? That's fantastic. Either way, I stand by wanting to meet that girl. So if you haven't listened to the Roosevelt Hotel, I cannot say hotel, Roosevelt Hotel Murder, episode five, I encourage you to give that one a listen next. Yes. It's it's a good one. Yeah. Today's case is a rough one. Do you have your bourbon? Because I do. You're going to need it. And I can't wait to hear what kind of fields are aplenty (laughs) in Uh, this area. Yeah. I don't know much. I don't know much about Bali, Indonesia. So, oh fuck. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend that there's wheat. wheat I was not expecting that. Okay, yeah, I doubt it. Like I said, today's case is a rough one. We're talking about the brutal murder of Sheila von Wiese Mack. Okay, by her daughter and only child Heather and Heather's boyfriend Tommy Schaefer. Okay, yeah, and this is in Indonesia. Well, it occurred in Indonesia. Oh, I was like, Tommy Schaefer does not sound like an Indonesian <laughs> fella. It's not. He's not. Okay, fair enough. Okay. But yeah, so like killer children, like that scares the fuck out of me. And, I, and maybe it's because I'm a parent and I know how hard it is to be a good parent. Side note, 
shocker, I'm never going to win mother of the year award. Right. But, but still like being a parent is really, really hard. And especially if you're a parent to more than one, you have to parent every personality differently, like to what they need. Right. And it's really hard. It could be that like really razor's edge balance between like setting the rules, cracking down, keeping them safe and letting them go and letting them figure it out and letting them skin their own knees and and help them when they need to be picked up when they've when they've fallen and loving them the the way that they need to be loved as they work their way through childhood and like the tumultuous teen years and it's even harder as when you have a rebellious or violent child on your hands like how do you do, I'm so thankful like my kids t- like I'm a fraud as a parent because they're such good kids and I haven't had to deal with anything like that, but I can't imagine that scares me. That's why do you think I don't have children? Cause you're smart. I don't want to feed a murderer for years. Mm-hmm. Well, this is Sheila's story. Okay. Born June 10th, 1952 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. What's up Midwest girl? Hello. To Norden and Lois Visa. Sheila and Visa grew up in Gross Point, Michigan. Her grandparents were immigrants from Germany, and at some point they dropped the Vaughn from their last name. So they used to be Vaughn Visa, and it's the last name is actually spelled W I E S E. But I looked up how to pronounce it, and Americans or United Statesans, no, people in the US will pronounce it Weiss. <laughs> United States. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing it should be a thing because so. it's kind of offensive to call ourselves americans because there's south america there's north america no, i get yeah, it there's central just... america anyway united Statesans, <laughs> they would call it weiss but it's actually pronounced vise okay vise so they had dropped the von it was von vise and they dropped it to just vise okay but sheila being a huge history buff, she changed her name back to include the Vaughn to honor her ancestry, nice. which I thought was like, really cool. Back that. Yeah. Back to my roots. Right. Nothing is really known about her parents or her childhood. I dug into that and I wasn't really getting anywhere. After finishing high school, she enrolled at Simmons College in Boston, where she graduated with a political science degree before completing her MBA at Washington University in St. Louis. Damn. Mm-hmm. She started studying for her PhD at the University of Chicago, but she didn't end up, actually end up graduating. Damn, but she's, I mean, that's like really great. Wow. Yeah. Early in her career, she worked for Ted Kennedy. Wow. All right. In an interview she gave to the Caxton Club, she said, quote, he had me doing research for him and lots of miscellaneous jobs the political life requires. I even poured tea for Rose Kennedy a time or two. Wow. During the time Sheila worked for Ted Kennedy, she was the victim of a crime that ended up being prosecuted. Ted Kennedy stood right beside her in court as a show of support. So she had she had to go to court for this crime. And Ted Kennedy's like, oh, yeah, I'll totally be your I'll totally be your posse. So he was standing there right next to her in court to show support. And it's like everybody's like, oh, my fucking God, is that Ted? And she's like, oh, oh, this guy. Oh, this guy standing right here next to me. Oh, He's no one. Don't don't even. It's just my my court support. And after working for Ted, she moved on to work for Jackie Kennedy for a bit. Damn. Mm-hmm. In a September 2014 article by the Chicago Tribune, 
a friend of Sheila's fared a fifth it. That's what I said. In a September 2014 article by the Chicago Tribune, a friend of Sheila's shared a few tidbits of the woman that she was. She was always, quote, impeccably dressed, well-versed in politics, literature, and art, and she was entrenched in the city's cultural scene. Hot damn. Yeah, right? She's got it going on. He does. He also shared that she, quote, admired everything that was aristocratic in life, but... On the other hand, she was the embodiment of acceptance and tolerance of everything and everyone. Her friends could form a virtual United Nations, and that was not driven by calculation. That was just the way she was. She was the one who introduced this friend to his eventual fiance. So they were close. Right. Yes. That's awesome. I think this little glimpse into Sheila's life is pretty fucking rad. Yeah. She sounds like a cool ass chick. I have this thing. I just love hearing about like strong, independent, well-educated, hardworking women making a name for themselves, just like getting after it. I just love that. And especially when they like people have things like that to say about them. Like she was open-minded and just like, yeah, it's not like she was making a name for herself being an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. She was like a really, really good soul. Yeah. I love that. Later in life, Sheila met and married the famous composer James L. Mack. Have you heard of James L. Mack? Turn of the Mack. No, I haven't. Nope. I don't think that's No. Then no, No. I have Mm -mm. not. Nope. No. I hadn't either. Um, I started going down a rabbit hole of into James's life and what he was a composer of and all of the music that he wrote and things like that. But then I, it took away from the story from Sheila. So in this case, because it's about Sheila's death, I'm not including anything about James L. Mack, but there might be people out there that are interested in him. Suffice it to say, he was a famous composer with a lot of money. Gotcha. So they got married and they settled in Oak Park, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. Okay. And in October of 1995, they gave birth to a daughter named Heather. Sheila was 43. Shit. (laughs) 43 when she gave birth to the to, to her one and only child. That would be like you in two years having a baby. Uh-uh. Nope. I'm going to go ahead and call it and say that's not going to happen. <laughs> I was like, that's really fucking old to have a baby. Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. God. While growing up, it became an annual tradition for the Max to take an exotic vacation each year. Mm-hmm. In August 2006... While on one of these exotic vacations to Greece, James Mack suffered a fatal embolism. <gasps> oh, shit. While and on vacation in Greece? Oh, yes. Oh, damn. Yes. I can't even imagine the trauma of... So an embolism is an inside thing. Like, from the outside, from like Heather and Sheila's perspective, he just fucking dropped dead. There was no outward sign. Yeah. There was no nothing, Right. I can't even imagine being on vacation in some beautiful place like Greece. And they had a lot of money, so they were not slumming it at some hostel. They were in like a a really nice place. And he just fucking falls to the ground and he's dead. You're in another country. Think of the logistics of that. Yeah, exactly. Like getting a body home. and Unfortunately, this 
would actually, her father's death would actually become a turning point in Heather's life. She was 11 or around 11 at the time mm-hmm. that her father died. And it would be a turning point for the, for the worse, unfortunately. And it was also a turning point in her relationship with her mom, Sheila. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Heather was almost 11. And as she tipped into her teen years, the relationship with her mom grew rockier and more tumultuous. They were very much at odds with each other on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Neighbors would talk about being witness to like just typical teenage shit, but that would escalate to huge explosive arguments. Oh, shit. In the span of 10 years, up to Sheila's death, the police visited the Mac home more than 85 times due to domestic violence between Heather and Sheila with Heather usually being the aggressor. 85 times? More than 85 times. And one time, Sheila actually ended up in the emergency room with a broken arm because of, an alter- because of an altercation with Heather. How do, is there not some sort of intervention after like, I don't know, 20, 80 fucking five? You'll see why, I think. It's because Sheila had this like unconditional love for her daughter. And she really thought that there would be a way to somehow get Heather back onto a good and healthy path. But either way, her love for her never dimmed. And so she always welcomed Heather back with open arms. She always was trying to do whatever she could to get things right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but still. Despite their differences in their rocky relationship, after James's death in 2006, Sheila kept up the tradition of going on exotic vacations every year with Heather. And in 2014... Sheila and Heather went to Bali, Indonesia for a 10-day trip. Wow. A neighbor said that Sheila had been hoping that during this vacation, she and Heather could work on their relationship in an attempt to make it more loving, more cordial, more close. And by this time, Heather was 18. She had dropped out of high school. She had been attending Oak Park River Forest High School. She dropped out. She had a boyfriend, Tommy Schaefer. That's where he Mm -hmm. enters the picture. They met at high school because Tommy attended the same high school, although Tommy was three years older than Heather. Gotcha. Okay. Heather's relationship with Tommy was like a fucking match lit in a room full of gasoline. Cool. Because it really screwed with the already combustible relationship she had with her mom, Sheila. Yeah. Sheila did not like Tommy. She didn't believe he was a good influence on her and she didn't want Heather to date him. And that made Heather want to date him even more. Yeah. I hate him too. (laughs) I just, he's already pissing me off. According to an August, 2014 article in the Chicago Tribune, Sheila was doing everything she could to repair the strained relationship between her and Heather. She was connecting with Heather's teachers. What can I do? How can we connect with her? How can you and I partner together to connect with her? She was connecting with doctors lawyers, therapists, even neighbors and friends, anyone seeking their advice and their counsel and their guidance and how she could like effectively guide Heather onto a healthy and constructive path. I think about her educational background. She was really researching what can she do to help her daughter. Yeah. And ultimately, she never really found a good way to accomplish it. In 2011, so we're going to go back a few years. Okay. Three years before Sheila's death, Heather was arrested on domestic battery aggravated battery, and battery charges in Cook County, Illinois. Good God. According to a family friend, Heather had been arrested after a violent argument with Sheila. Heather was the aggressor. 
The cops were called. Heather was arrested. Despite this, Sheila hired a lawyer to represent Heather, who was ultimately found guilty of battery against Sheila. She received one year of court supervision and was ordered to go through mandatory counseling, including anger management, as part of a violence prevention program she was required to complete. She obviously had serious anger issues and serious unresolved emotional trauma. Oh, for sure. Seriously. In 2012, Heather lived in two different community-based facilities specifically designed for children under the age of 18 in the juvenile court system that needed education, life skills, and mental health services. So basically, Sheila and the court systems at this point were doing everything that they could to get her the resources that she needed and the tools that she needed to become a more successful, healthier, less destructive person. Right. Despite the instability and violence in their relationship, Sheila continued to welcome Heather back home with open arms. Like she loved her daughter unconditionally, as most mothers do, right? Right. Determined to find a way to get to stable ground and build a healthy relationship with her. And unfortunately, her unconditional love for her only child would actually be the death of her. Yeah, that's got to be kind of a fine line to like, I love you, I'll do anything for you to like we've called the police 85 times and you've beat me up and I've ended up in the hospital. Like, am I enabling you? What do you do? I'm not a mom. Three years later, on August 12th, 2014, during their vacation to Indonesia, Sheila's brutalized body was found by Bali police stuffed inside a suitcase in the trunk of a taxi that was parked outside the exclusive St. Regis resort in Nusa Dua, Bali, where Sheila and Heather were staying. Fuck. I'll post a photo of the suitcase on social. There's literally blood all over the outside of it. And I'm not talking like a couple of drips and little dribbles. No, I'm talking like maybe somebody accidentally got a paintbrush of red paint all over it. When you look at the size of this suitcase, Sheila must have been tiny because how they fit an adult human body in the suitcase is beyond me, but her entire body fit in the suitcase. Was it a carry-on? It looked like it could be. Fuck. Earlier that day, so earlier the day of August 12th, when Sheila's body was found, according to hotel workers at the St. Regis, Sheila was seen and overheard arguing with Heather and Tommy in the lobby over who was going to pay for Tommy's hotel room. (laughs) The vacation was only supposed to be for Sheila and Heather. And Sheila sure as shit wasn't going to invite Tommy because she didn't fucking like his ass. Yeah. What she didn't realize was that Heather was like, Tommy, come join us in Bali. And Sheila found out when, surprise, Tommy walked into the room. just fucking stroll. Oh, God. Do you know how we got there? Heather had stolen Sheila's credit card. Oh. (laughs) He fucking flew. Heather had stolen Sheila's credit card and used it to purchase an airline ticket and a hotel room at the same resort, the St. Regis, for Tommy. Whoa. We're talking thousands and thousands of dollars one source that i saw said that the airplane ticket cost 12 grand (gasps) jesus christ and then of course the saint regis is like upwards of four grand a night so we're talking a lot of fucking money so obviously sheila was like like what the actual fuck well and i mean also congrats to sheila on your credit card limits that's impressive (laughs) aces 
If my kid did that, I'd be so fucking bad. I don't even know what I would do with myself. My moral compass is very high because I couldn't even imagine just stealing somebody's credit card, especially your mother's, and charging tens of thousands of dollars for your fucking boyfriend to join you on a vacation in Indonesia. Yeah. And it's like, you know what, you little cunt bag? We have one week a year that we go on a trip together. Yep. And you do that. Like, come on. Come the fuck on. Mm -mm. Yep. Later the same day, the trio was seen arguing in the hotel lobby. Heather and Tommy reappeared with a suitcase. The suitcase. They loaded it into the trunk of a taxi in front of the St. Regis, and they did not allow anyone, not the taxi driver, no hotel staff, no one, to touch it or assist them with it. Okay. Isn't that, like... That's what they do. You're at a very upscale resort. The St. Regis is a very upscale resort. You don't handle your own luggage. Yeah, $4,000 a night, I would hope not. Then they left the suitcase inside the trunk and went back inside the hotel because they had to get something. And like, I'm like, that's either a really fucking bold move or a really dumb as fuck move. Just leaving the suitcase with your dead mother's body in it inside the trunk of the taxi. And and also, this was right outside the front of the St. Regis. People were watching them like load this suitcase into the trunk. Dead bodies are fucking heavy. Not I don't know from personal experience, but mm-hmm. have you ever tried to pick up a child or a toddler that doesn't want to be picked up and they just go dead weight on you? Yeah. It it's a toddler. They they're fucking heavy. And Heather and Tommy, they aren't muscular people. Heather is really little. And Tommy is very slender and super tall. That's not like they're like beef eaters, right? And it's like really fucking obvious if the two of you are struggling, something really heavy has to be in that suitcase. So they did They did this show and spectacle in front of the St. Regis. And then they went inside the hotel and they went inside to empty Sheila's safe deposit box, which held their passports. Wow. Okay. And and some of Sheila's jewelry, which was probably an after effect. But they kind of need their passports to make their great escape. You would think they would have gotten the passports or tried to figure out a way to get the passports before they killed. But they did not. They did not. Uh, Yeah. Anything to keep from leaving that suitcase alone and having to go back in. Exactly. It's like, one of you stay with the fucking taxi, dipshits. The hotel staff, clearly suspicious by now. I mean, what with the suitcase situation and all. They're like... Nah, nah, bitch. We're not opening this safe deposit box for you. (laughs) So what did Heather and Tommy do? (laughs) They decided to leave the hotel through a back door, which helped them look even more suspicious, and never returned for the suitcase. Huh. Good job, guys. Never returned for the suitcase. Just left it in the trunk. They just abandoned it, and they fucking went out a back door. Well, look, if you're going to be violent as fuck, at least you can be a genius. You know what I mean? At least she has that going for her. What it's a funny. fucking turd. Both of them are fucking turds. It's funny you say that because I actually had a comment that said, well, we're dealing with a couple of geniuses here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I was like, just go, run. Just go out that back door over there. Just do that. To the pool, Scoobs. <laughs> that's gonna come up shortly too stop stealing my thunder so like two hours go by this taxi driver is waiting for them they loaded their suitcase in his trunk 
And he's waiting for like two hours go by. And this taxi driver's like, okay, what the fuck? Did I just get stood up? So props to him for waiting for more than like 10 minutes because I wouldn't have. But he finally got tired of waiting and he walked around to the trunk to pull the suitcase out of the trunk so he could get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And when he opened the trunk and he looked at the suitcase, that's when he realized there's blood all over this fucking suitcase. And he's like, well, fuck. Well, I don't want to touch this thing. And I'm definitely not going to fucking take the bullshit for this. So he was like, I'm going to just drive myself right over to that police station with the suitcase in the trunk. And that's exactly what he did. And he was like, hey, so (laughs) funny story. And he explained what happened. And he was like, so you might want to take a look at this weird fucking suitcase that looks like it's got blood on it. And it looks heavy as fuck with what I saw them trying to do, getting it into my trunk. And the police opened the suitcase. And that's when they found Sheila's brutally murdered body. Jesus. Now, see if this hotel had direct access to the coroner, like, <laughs> like the Roosevelt Hotel. Get the coroner. <laughs> yeah. So now the Bally police have a Scooby-Doo mystery on their hands. Oh, there's Scoobs. There's Scoobs making a comeback. Their first stop was the St. Regis, where the taxi driver said this whole clusterfuck started in the first place. He's like, look, I was parked outside the St. Regis. These two schmoes came down with this really fucking weird suitcase. They heaved it into my trunk and then they left and I never saw them again. So they started there. And after popping into the resort to get some information to start their investigation, the hotel staff was like, yeah. Okay, so here's the scoop. These guys. And so the police quickly began searching for Heather and Tommy. They had some questions. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. The pair were eventually found sleeping it off because, you know, it's been a tough day. Yeah. In a a budget hotel about six miles from the St. Regis. Once in custody, they told a very harrowing tale of what had actually happened. They tried to get the police to believe that they had been kidnapped at the St. Regis. Fuck them. By an armed gang. Oh my God. This gang killed Sheila, but somehow, some way, they both managed to escape the kidnappers' clutches and were hiding out in the hotel that the police found them in, scared for their lives. Oh, poor babies. Unfortunately, the police didn't buy it. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. And in no way did their story remotely line up with the stories that they got from the hotel staff and the taxi driver. And so they were like, mm, you're going to need to come with us down to headquarters because we have some more questions to ask you. Let me take us down a just a just a tiny rabbit hole. Just okay. a just a tiny one. Like a bunny, a bunny like hole. A, like a little bunny hop hole. Oh, just a little tiny bunny hole. And talk about a few tidbits about the legal system in Indonesia. In no way is this deep. And this is like not even skimming the high level surface of high level. Okay. Just a few. So in Indonesia, a person can be arrested and detained, but isn't formally charged with a crime until after the investigation is over, but before the trial begins. Hmm. Okay. So here in the United States, somebody gets arrested. When they get arrested, they are charged with something. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is the legal excuse, justification, reason for holding or detaining somebody in jail. Until their trial. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. But in Indonesia, that's not the case. Somebody can be arrested and detained indefinitely and they don't have to be charged. They're not charged until after the completion of the investigation. That could be months. But then once the investigation is complete, 
Then they determine how they want to charge and then they're charged and then the trial begins. Wow. Okay. Okay. It is rare that anyone is granted bail in Indonesia. Once you're charged and detained, or excuse me, once you're arrested and detained, it's rare that you can get granted bail and get out. You're just fucking sitting there. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Instead of one judge and a jury of peers to determine guilt and sentencing, like we have here in the United States, Indonesia uses a three-judge panel process. This panel, this three-judge panel, has significant latitude for how much they want to be involved in the cases they're trying, with it even being commonplace for these judges to question witnesses. Where the judicial process in the United States is pretty formal and rigid, we've got a process, due process, that kind of thing, it's much more loosey-goosey in Indonesia. Prosecution and defense can call witnesses, they can present evidence, they can cross-examine, but those being charged with a crime, they don't have the right to self-incrimination, meaning They don't have the right to remain silent. They are legally compelled to talk. Wow. Like the prosecution and defense, when they call witnesses, present evidence, they can do all of that whenever they want. There isn't this like discovery. Whereas here in the US, whatever evidence the prosecution has, they have to give it to the defense and likewise. Right. They don't have to do that in Indonesia. Wow. This three-judge panel, they decide the verdict by a majority vote. So not even all three judges have to be unanimous. Like you just need two of them motherfuckers and you've got yourself a verdict. (laughs) I was like, holy shit. And then directly after that, they hand down the sentence. So like in the United States, you have a judge and your jury of your peers, you're found guilty. Three weeks later, you'll go to your sentencing, right? Two weeks later, you'll go to your sentencing. That's not the case. In Indonesia, directly after you're found guilty or innocent, but if you're found guilty, immediately after your sentence is is handed down. Wow. And I just picture them in like shorts and flip-flops. Like mm. I wonder if they wear George George Washington wigs. <gasps> it's probably too hot there. Yeah. It wouldn't look great. So with this background, Bally police arrest Heather and Tommy on August 15th. So Sheila's body was found August 12th. Heather and Tommy are arrested and detained on August 15th, and they are detained separately for questioning. Okay. It was at this point that Heather claimed she was pregnant. Okay. Police are like, fuck you. You're just trying to get out of jail. (laughs) And so they ordered an ultrasound be performed, and they required Heather to undergo a urine test. Well, she was telling the truth. (gasps) Oh, great. She was pregnant. Cool. Like several weeks pregnant. She was super early in her first trimester, but she was pregnant. Despite this, she remained in custody. They were like, no, bitch, you're staying in jail. Well, good. After a little more than a month in custody, police shared that both Heather and Tommy had made separate confessions. Tommy admitted that he was the one that killed Sheila, and Heather admitted that she helped Tommy stuff Sheila's dead body into the suitcase. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then Heather recanted her confession and claimed both she and Tommy were innocent. All right. So now we're in early December. Bally police wrapped up their investigation and they transferred Heather and Tommy into the custody of prosecutors. Okay. And in January of 2015, the two were formally charged with Sheila's murder. The autopsy performed on Sheila's body revealed that she died of suffocation due to severe trauma to her face. 
basically her face was bashed in so badly that her nose bone broke and lodged into her throat and obstructed her airway and she died by suffocation. She also had a broken neck. Whoa. The valid sources for, for this case, they say that Sheila asphyxiated. And I was like, okay, well, what's the difference between asphyxiation and suffocation? There's, there is a difference. So they both mean the same thing when it comes to death due to lack of oxygen. So at the end of the day, something is preventing your body from getting the oxygen it needs, and then you die. However, asphyxiation is the lack of oxygen due to interference of oxygenation of tissue. So for example, if you've inhaled, if you're inhaling carbon dioxide, it's Mm. preventing your tissues from oxygenating and therefore you become asphyxiated and you die because you don't get the oxygen you need. Suffocation is lack of oxygen due to the airway itself being blocked, whether that's through manual strangulation, ligature strangulation, a grape knot sliced and you fucking choke on it, something that's obstructing your airway. So I think the correct term is Sheila was suffocated rather than asphyxiated. Murder in Indonesia carries the potential of a death sentence, okay? Depending on the sentencing, the three-judge panel declares after the trial, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like similar to United States. The forensic evidence the police had was this. They had security camera footage showing the heated argument between Sheila, Heather, and Tommy in the lobby of the St. Regis. They had bloody fingerprints on the glass ornament that was used as their murder weapon. It was a glass fruit bowl. Jesus. And bloody fingerprints on the suitcase. They had DNA from blood that was found on Heather and Tommy's clothing. They had security camera footage of the hallway leading to the room Sheila was in. They had data from the electronic hotel door keys capturing the time Sheila entered her hotel room. And they had security camera footage showing Heather and Tommy leaving the hotel at that back door. So they had a lot of shit. Yeah. Like we've tracked your every move. And it? the timing of all of that stuff, yeah. right? The very next day. So, so they've got all this. They've got a strong case. And was she just folded up into the suitcase? Like she wasn't dismembered or anything? Nope. She was not dismembered. Think fetal position, really tight fetal position. Okay. They just like shoved her in there. And then they zipped up the suitcase. In my mind, they had to have done that right away because rigor mortis, right? Mm -hmm. Sets in pretty quickly after you die and then you start to go through the full rigor mortis cycle. So in order for the body to be bendable, they had to have done it very quickly after she was dead. And one of them had to have been like sitting on that suitcase to get it to zip shut. Mm. It's It's fucking, it's brutal. I can't even, can't even imagine. The very next day after being charged with her mother's murder, Heather sued her uncle, William Mack, her dad's brother. William Mack, who was Sheila's brother-in-law, is who Sheila had designated as the trustee of her $1.56 million estate and who had control over the trust funds Heather was deemed to receive on her 30th birthday according to Sheila's wishes in her will. Okay. Okay. Heather sued William to gain access to her trust funds early to pay for her legal defense. Fuck you. A Cook County, Illinois judge ruled that Heather had a right to access these funds for her legal defense because her mother set up the trust to be used for Heather's, quote, health, support, education, 
and maintenance. This fucking infuriates me. <laughs> that <laughs> like I just like my blood pressure just rose. I got mm-hmm. sweaty. This fucking makes me so mad. I started biting my lip. Like I was like, <laughs> oh, it makes me so mad mm-hmm. that this fucker. little twat mm-hmm. is suing to gain access to money from her mother's estate to pay for the legal defense for fucking killing her mother. And that a lawyer's like, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's legit. for her maintenance and her support and her education. Let me argue this shit. Sit the fuck down, ding dong. Ugh, <sighs> unbelievable. After this, over several weeks in early 2015, Heather gave several interviews continuing the claims that she was innocent and very scared for herself and her unborn child being in an Indonesia jail. There were things that she claimed like she woke up and there were needle marks in her arm and she didn't know how they got there or she had been sexually assaulted or like all of these claims and things that she was talking about. In my opinion, she comes across as a fucking petulant and defiant toddler. Yeah. Like she's just, it's like she wants her time in the spotlight, even if it's negative. Right. Yeah. Interestingly, even though Heather was granted access to her trust funds for her own legal defense, the Cook County judge denied her request to obtain funds for the purpose of medical and legal fees related to her unborn child. She was having a girl and she had already named this girl Stella. Her full name is Estella. Her nickname was Stella. I have a niece named Stella. It's a great name. I like that name. Apparently, a lawyer had been hired to represent Stella, who still wasn't born yet, and had racked up $126,000 worth of legal fees for two weeks worth of representation. Shit. What the actual fuck is going on here? Part of me wonders if this was just a ruse for Heather to get more money. In mid-March 2015, Heather's trial got underway. So Heather and Tommy were tried separately. Heather's trial got underway and Tommy actually testified on behalf of the prosecution, not so in the U S it would be against Heather, but really in Indonesia, it's just basically like, you're just testifying about the case of in at hand, just what happened. Yeah. Hmm. Tommy told the three judge panel that he killed Sheila because he was pissed at her for quote, threatening to kill my unborn child and choked me for about half a minute. So he said that he killed Sheila because she threatened to kill Stella and she choked him for 30 seconds. Uh, Tommy testified, quote, I was angry. I took the fruit bowl and I hit her. Right. And a monkey just flew directly out of my ass. Did you see it? (laughs) Did you see it? Sheila was like a little thing. Like she fit in that fucking suitcase. And when you see a picture of the suitcase, it's not that big. She was 62 years old. Yeah. I doubt, I doubt she got a full 30 seconds of right. And Tommy Tommy. was like a fucking tree trunk. He was tall. He was thin, but he was tall and he was in his early twenties. No way in fucking hell. Sheila was able to get her hands around his neck in a chokehold for 30 seconds. Unless maybe. She scaled up his back like a ferret and wrapped her body around his neck in a WWE wrestling move. Probably. That seems legit. Because I'm like, could she even reach his throat? But no. If she spider monkeyed up and like 
Totally. She seems spunky. Right up the back. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Tommy. And he's like, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and counted till she got to 30. How specific. You you had 30 seconds, Sheila. Fuck you, Tommy. That is like the dumbest shit I've ever heard. 30 seconds is a long time. If If she actually choked him for half a second, he would have reacted. I love how hard you set your your bourbon down it was like oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry i was upset and rightfully so because this is fucking upset. bullshit yeah but that's the story he told under oath and he stuck to this story okay well in the midst of her trial heather gave birth on march 17th 2015 to stella she was born healthy six pounds one ounce cute little thing and after just a brief bout of jaundice the trial resumed with heather didn't have the jaundice stella had the jaundice so after a brief okay. bout of jaundice first with Stella, the trial resumed with the prosecution asking the three-judge panel to spare Heather and Tommy the maximum penalty. Death by firing squad. Whoa. They don't fuck around in Indonesia. They recommended a 15-year sentence for Heather and an 18-year sentence for Tommy. Sheila's family was like, what the fuck? They felt that the nature of the crime deserved way harsher sentences for both of them. Yeah, big time. The defense countered by saying, um, there was no evidence to substantiate that this was a premeditated murder. And so they asked for the sentences to be light. I know. <laughs> I'm going to lay down for a second. It wasn't premeditated. What? What? So why the fuck was he there? Why did you bring him? Right? Oh, Wait. <laughs> premeditation or not premeditation is going to come back up. Okay. Cool. The judges, this three judge panel, they have full discretion on the severity of the sentences and they don't have to side with either the prosecution or the defense. Oh. They can do whatever the fuck they want. And remember, it does not have to be unanimous. This whole thing just blows my fucking mind. It just <laughs> <laughs> Don't get in legal trouble in Indonesia, whatever yes. you do. Yeah. On April 21st, 2015, the judges handed down unanimous verdicts for both Heather and Tommy. So they tried Heather, then they tried Tommy, and then on April 21st, 2015, the judges handed down unanimous verdicts. They were both convicted of the murder of Sheila. Heather was sentenced to 10 years. What? While Tommy, who admitted to having been the one that actually physically attacked and killed Sheila, was sentenced to 18 years. Huh, okay. They were both ordered to do their time in, in, in the Indonesia jail in Bali. Okay. Which I'm sure isn't super pleasant, so. Hell a lot more pleasant than the United States. Is it? Uh-huh. Oh, fuck. Never mind. God damn it. So, end of story? No. No, 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 no. No, now the drama begins. If you Ooh. thought that was dramatic, you know. Now the drama begins. So for those of you that like to multitask while listening, here's looking at you, LP. You know who you are, girl. Sure. Here's the part of the story where you'll probably want to focus a little bit so you don't have to rewind because we've got some interweaving motherfucking dramas going on here. Stay with me. Shortly after sentencing, Heather's lawyers, lawyers filed an appeal for her sentence. Standard due course. Shortly after that appeal was filed, Heather filed an emergency motion to gain more access to the $1.56 million trust fund to pay for her expected upcoming legal fees. Oh my God. So that's the follow the money drama. 
Meanwhile, in early June 2015, one of Heather's attorneys shared that Heather was considering having a couple in Bali who were local to the prison raise Stella until she is paroled. Okay. Three days later, Tommy's mother, Kia Walker, told a judge in Chicago that she was fearful that Stella was being sold for $150,000. <laughs> to which Heather's lawyers declared, that's fucking preposterous and simply a, quote, smearing campaign against Heather. But would we be surprised? Nope. So now we've got follow the money drama and child trafficking drama. Let's add, was this actually premeditated murder drama? Mm. In September 2015, we're going to introduce a new character here. Oh, shit. Tommy's cousin, Robert Bibbs. <laughs> yep, Robert Bibbs, who was 24 at the time, was arrested in Chicago on federal charges that he conspired with Heather and Tommy to kill Sheila by advising them on how they could actually carry out the murder. Cool. Old Bobby Overalls. He was their guidance counselor. He was their murder guidance counselor. Oh my God. Naturally, he pleaded not guilty. But then, in October of 2015, text messages between Heather and Tommy that were allegedly released showed them referring to themselves as, quote, Bonnie and Clyde and highlighted their intentions to kill Sheila. Oh my God, of course they fucking did. This is according to federal authorities. I want to like, just kick them both <laughs> so hard in the faces, <laughs> repeatedly. So back to the follow the money drama. In um, December 2015, so this has been going on for fucking all of 2015, Heather wrote to the judge that was presiding over her $1.56 million trust fund case and accused Sheila, who, by the way, she had been convicted of killing and who had been dead for a year and a half by this point. She accused her mom, Sheila, of lying and falsifying court documents years ago to gain control over a significant amount of additional money from her late father's estate that should have gone to her. So basically, Heather was like, hey, judge, just so you know, um, my mom is a liar and a stealer, and it's not supposed to be just $1.56 million, okay? It's supposed to be way more than that, and you need to go back and look at the documents from, like, oh, so long ago because she stole all of that money from me. <laughs> and she's not here to defend herself, so... Right. Oh so God. that's going on. Meanwhile, over in the child trafficking drama, in February of 2016... Tommy ordered Stella's court-appointed guardian, which I think is, is pretty much the equivalent to like a guardian ad litem over here in the United States, like a GAL. Mm -hmm. He ordered this court-appointed guardian for Stella to no longer provide updates on Stella's health to the court, which the judge overseeing all of this was like, well, that's troubling. Who was watching Stella? We're going to get to that. Okay. She's just in the, in the corner of a jail cell, just chilling. Yep. That's accurate. Accurate? That's accurate. <laughs> yep. What? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Just hang tight. Moving over to the, was this actually premeditated murder drama? Over a year later, remember Robert Bibbs? Good old Bobby Bibbles? Tommy's cousin? Yeah. He, he struck a plea deal with federal prosecutors in December of 16. In exchange for a guilty plea of conspiracy to commit foreign murder of a national of the United States, basically, you killed a U.S. citizen on foreign soil. Yeah. He would not be sentenced to more than 20 years in prison. 
So, sorry, Bobby, you're more fucked than your cousin and his dipshit girlfriend. Yeah. Two months later, after <sighs> this whole thing with, with Bobby Bibbles, in early of February 17, some YouTube videos pop up that showed Heather appearing to confess to the murder of Sheila, claiming she was solely responsible for the killing and that she was, quote unquote, entrapped that, no, no, that she, quote unquote, entrapped Tommy as part of the cover-up story. But wait, wait, there's more. <laughs> One week later, in conjunction with her lawyer, Heather claimed that what she said in those videos was false, that she was forced to record them under duress by Tommy, who made her read a statement written by him, which were the words she was saying in the videos. Oh my God. Heather, you are all over the goddamn place. Except they're both incarcerated in different prisons. Yeah. And make up your fucking mind, Heather. (sighs) So this is just, wow. So, okay, let's close out all of the straw. You still with us, LP? I hope you're still with us. All right. (laughs) So in the child trafficking drama, in March, 2017, a judge struck down a request filed by Kia Walker. Again, that's Tommy's mother to gain guardianship over her granddaughter, Stella. Meanwhile, all this time, this has been two years. Yeah. Stella has been with Heather in her prison cell. (sighs) Mm -hmm. In Indonesia, pregnant women who are incarcerated are allowed to keep their children with them in prison until the age of two to help with the bonding between mother and child. Oh my God. That would be... Uh, awful. I'm so fucking conflicted about how I feel about this law. On the one hand, okay, having bonding time with the mother is like so, so important for a child, any child. So much brain development occurs in the first years of life, personality, emotions, like all of the things. Trauma that early, whether it be neglect, absence of a loving parental figure, say mom, any form of, of abuse, even if the child can't remember into adulthood, that can leave significant scars and it can really help shape that child's outlook on life and oftentimes in a negative way. For sure. Yeah. But on the other hand, the opportunity cost, multiple costs of that child spending its first two years of life in a prison cell, even if it's with its mother, that's staggering. Because think about all of the things that that child is supposed to be exposed to, go through, do, be, experience in the first two years. Isn't happening if that kid's in a prison cell. Yeah, it's horrible to be, what, two years old and not have probably ever seen another child. Yeah. Or anyone besides her mother and whoever's bringing meals. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. I mean, I guess you could, it could lead to the same conclusion if the child wasn't with its mother, but maybe not. I, I feel like it's a devil's game of chance, really. I think much of it depends on how loving and invested the mother is during the, those first two years in the prison cell. In this case, Heather was able to keep Stella with her, and she did. So for mm-hmm. the first two years of her life, Stella was with Heather in Heather's prison cell. There are some videos out there. Go to YouTube. Just search them up. They give a tiny glimpse into Heather's character like who she is, her nature. And while those videos offers like just a sliver of a view of who she is and what it's like in her cell, given the fact that she was convicted of participating in the murder of her mother, I think I lean more towards it probably would have been healthier for Stella to be separated from Heather and raised in a loving environment 
outside of the prison. Yeah, I would agree. Just know what very little I know about her and how like just limited her environment would be in there. I doubt there's like buckets of children's books and toys and things for her to do to like stimulate her. She's probably just like just in a fucking concrete cell all day long with nothing to do. Yeah. That can't be good for development. It can't be. Nevertheless, Stella stayed with Heather. And in late March 2017, when Stella turned two years old, Heather handed her handed over legal custody of Stella to an Australian woman to raise Stella until she was released from prison. Okay. So that resolves the child trafficking drama. Back over to the, was this actually premeditated murder drama? Robert Baby Balls, Tommy's cousin, was sentenced to nine years in early June of 17 for conspiring with Tommy and Heather to kill Sheila in exchange for a portion of Sheila's estate. Okay. Okay. So with Bibb's conviction in the eyes of the law, Sheila's murder was pre-fucking meditated. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. One year later, in June 2018, in the follow the money drama, Heather officially and finally dropped her claim to Sheila's estate. Good. In exchange for her not receiving, quote, any property, benefit, or other interest, Stella is named the beneficiary of Sheila's estate. Wow. Okay. Good. So that marks the end of the follow the money drama. In various interviews she has given over the years while incarcerated, it is very clear that Heather had a deep hatred for her mother. Like she hated Sheila. She accused Sheila of all kinds of things of like of being very abusive due to her like alcoholism and drug use saying that Sheila would stab her with her fingernails and burn her with cigarettes. I've never heard of anybody being stabbed with fingernails, but I suppose that could hurt. Yeah. I mean, couldn't feel great. Heather claimed one time Sheila set her hair on fire. Oh, she also believes Sheila is responsible for her father's death and that it wasn't actually from a fatal embolism. Wow. So I think we found maybe the source of all of Heather's angst and shit, maybe? Just the blame and hatred she was carrying. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Fast forward to October 2021, a couple years ago. I'm there. Heather was released from the Bally Prison after serving seven years of her 10-year sentence. Mm. Yeah. So she had like 10, wait, like two years and 10 months shaved from her total sentence due to, quote, reductions that are often granted to prisoners on major holidays because of their good conduct, including a six-month remission of sentence awarded during Indonesia's Independence Day in August. This is according to prison officials. What? Yeah. So because of that... During the time that she served, she got almost three years saved off, shaved off of her sentence. What the fuck? Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. According to a September 2022 Chicago Sun-Times article, when Heather landed at Chicago O'Hare after being released from prison in Indonesia, she was immediately arrested and charged with conspiring to kill Sheila in a foreign country and obstruction of justice. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> I love it. Yep. She is not free. Girlfriend has been held in Chicago's downtown Metropolitan Correctional Center ever since. Good. Her U.S. trial was anticipated to have started on July 31st of this year. So like six weeks ago. 
Wow. And attorneys predicted it wouldn't last longer than three weeks. I couldn't find any information about whether or not the trial had started or has gotten delayed. But the same indictment is waiting for Tommy when he gets released from the Indonesian jail. Nice. And and just for clarification, the the woman that Stella was raised by, is she an Australian woman in Indonesia or is she an Australian woman in Australia? Like where is Stella? She she was an Australian woman in Bali in Indonesia. Okay, gotcha. I don't know where Stella is now. Hmm. There is still there is an actual um, legal battle, a custody dispute going on right now for her between the people that are caring for her. I don't know if it's the same Australian woman. Oh, okay. And Tommy's Shaper's mother, Kia Walker. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Meanwhile, Sheila's friends and family still work hard to keep her memory alive. She loved music so much similar to her late husband, James Mack, that she would have concerts in her backyard. Aww. And I'm like, how fucking cool is that? That's amazing. I have a big backyard. We should have concerts in my backyard, Jamie. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? I know. If, how cool would that be? I'm pretty fucking cool. Let's, I know. Let's do that. Neighbors loved her. Many of her neighbors were saying that she was always so sweet and helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you hear the mower? I sure can. (laughs) I was like, what is that? Why? It's so late. Why? Anyway. And that is the tragic murder of Sheila von Wiese Mack at the hands of her daughter, Heather Mack, and her now ex-boyfriend, Tommy Schaefer. Wow. Wasn't that crazy? That is crazy. And it's so like much drama. Like my mind just keep like I think it well, my mind and my heart just keep going to Stella, who her parents killed her grandmother, but she also has like this estate that was left for her now. Like, can you imagine that being your history? You're like, I didn't even know this woman, but now this stuff is in my name and my parents killed her. But she you know what I mean? Like that that's going to be like where she comes from and what she has to absorb. It's just like, fuck that poor kid, poor kid. That's the thing that I think parents or people who decide to have children, you have a fucking responsibility to not screw up your soon to be child. And it's like, I don't think humans realize that when you become the parent of somebody, there's a heaviness there that you can levy on whether or not you fuck up your kids psychologically or not. Like, yeah. and nobody's perfect, right? There are, there's no such thing as a perfect parent and everybody has their own way of doing it. But at the end of the day, kids carry into their adulthood. And for years after that, the burdens of their child, their childhood, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's a fucking damn shame. Stella's eight now. She's wow. eight. And at eight, you start getting a little like, hey, you know, wait a second. You don't look like me or whatever. Do you have any idea? Like, did they ever say what their plan was? They obviously were going back to get their passports to, I'm sure, leave the country. Did they ever like indicate what they were planning on doing with the suitcase or what story they were going to tell when they got back to the U.S.? Never. Never, because I don't think they've had a fucking clue. I think they were just like, well, okay, 
bashed her head in. We'll figure this out. I do think that they, they intended to kill her, though. I do think the whole point of Tommy getting to Indonesia was so that they could kill her. Yeah. But they obviously had no plan. No, because they were place. 18 and 21 because they're fucking dumb. Yeah. It's like yeah. you get back to the US, what are people going to say? Like, where's your fucking mother? Where's your mom, idiot? Ay. I wonder if they were naive enough to think that they could be like, oh, I don't know, some tragic accident happened in Bali. And, but you know what? Um, so I'm the beneficiary of the estate. So just uh, go ahead and give me everything. I think she said something about just really loving it there. And she just wanted to stay. So yeah, I didn't because, you know, I wanted to further my education here yeah, in the United States. I so. love Illinois. <laughs> exactly. Also, I'm with child. Yeah. Killer children. That's a tough one. I I, I wish in like, like a fire alarm or a smoke detector that there was like idiot detectors that like <laughs> kept people that are just dumb shits from finding each other and making really horrible decisions. They just repel you from each other. <laughs> that would be great. I would invest in that. Yeah, I would buy stock in that. I would allow human testing on myself for that whatever <laughs> needs to be done yeah thank you for listening thank you for sharing that that was a very interesting tale frustrating i'm finding myself a little <laughs> up, i'm a little upset <laughs> like i just want to throw some punches around yeah and thank you to all of you out there for showing up for every episode your support is amazing we're really starting to see it and feel it we've got some We've got some OGs now in Belgium and the UK. Ah, mm-hmm. Yeah. So whoever our Belgium and United Kingdom or UK listeners are, hi. Thank hi. you. Yeah. We hope you enjoy and please keep showing up. Give us a shout. Follow us on Instagram at Crime Will Tell Pod. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review our little show anywhere you get your podcasts. If you are the people in Belgium and the UK, like, feel free to send us a message on Instagram or Facebook yes. or leave a comment or something so we know who you are. Send an email, whatever. Like, we would love to know, like, who's actually listening out there. So yeah. feel free to send an email to crimewilltellpod at gmail.com. But yeah, it's like we see these little dots where we know people are mm-hmm. listening, but we don't know who the fuck you are. And it would be really cool to know. Yeah. And if you guys have any, like, cases in your neck of the woods that you want us to cover, just let us know, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. And you you mentioned LP in the episode. She's one of our biggest supporters. So Yeah, she does so a much. lot to uh to help us out. She's she's good people. Yeah. Good we shit. love you, LP. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, bye Jamie. Goodbye, Carrie. Okay. Bye-bye now. All right. Good good night then. Good night. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Yours is like and mine isn't on mine. Chill, bitch. But I bet on yours, mine is... Yeah, that was interesting as fuck. Exactly. Crime will tell you to stop fucking dancing. Boing! But I'm gonna fucking bop to that shit. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, look, don't fart. Boop. <laughs> that was a squirty squirt. Because <laughs> I'm dumb and have been drinking. You guys are definitely have radio faces.